Well, hello, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome. Glad you are all here. It's Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, so it must be time for a fishy live stream. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time because, you know, Mountain Time has to represent occasionally. It's always like, you know, California time, New York time. Let's get a little Mountain Time going here. Hey, Carbon. Hey, 54 Punchy. Hey, Charlie, a.k.a. Gone Wishing. I like it. I like it. Mob Guppy. Uh, Bathyphilia. And Real. Real was first tonight. Hey, Real's Tanks. Glad you're here again. Welcome, everybody. So I got something cool to show you tonight. In a little bit, after folks pile in here, we'll, uh, we'll show you this. I, I'm making a photo tank so I can get some decent pictures to put on my uh, listings on getgills.com. So... You see more than just, you know, a cell phone grainy picture. So I'll show you that in a bit. Um, how I did that, I kind of DIY'd it and it didn't end up costing too much. So hopefully that'll be interesting. And then a uh, shipping report, cold weather shipping. We're in it <laughs> for sure. So it's been an exciting week for me with uh, all the packages. I've got one package still out there. All the others have arrived. So I'll go over all that in a bit just to kind of tell you what that's like hey keeping a crypto glad you're here hey doug's fish adventure mr d's tanks and more not to be confused with mr b's tanks and things <laughs> or fish and things so welcome back mr d's glad you made it again fish guru hey thomas um thomas i saw that you posted a new video on the get gills facebook group uh what is it care of blue eye cichlids i haven't had a chance to look at it yet but i'll be doing that as soon as i get a moment here and also, um, someone posted a video about wild bettas that she's breeding, which is pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to looking at that stuff. If you guys haven't done it yet, uh, the Get Gills Facebook page is turning into a pretty active, fun group, I think. Um, I'd like to thank everyone that posts on there that uses it, Candy, for posting our Monday memes and uh, all that stuff. So check it out if you haven't. Anyway, who else is here? Craig. Hey, Craig. Welcome. Good to see you again. Um, if you're all looking for vampire plecos, Craig's got them. It's also got super reds. Go Fish Aquatics. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. As cool as balls in Virginia. <laughs> I almost read that last word wrong the first time I looked at it. And I was like, I might have to ban this comment. But I guess it's all right. You're talking about a state. So we're good. Um, <laughs> Tampa Tom. Hey, I'll have to catch the replay. It's bike night, fish bro. All right. Do a wheelie. <laughs> well enjoy man hope you have a good one have a great night we'll catch you later bob killer hey bob glad you made it uh i think i made i think i got everybody cool hopefully mile high gets in here because he's gonna have a great time making fun of this beard so as we go through the stream tonight if you have any good beard jokes please lay them down <laughs> um, for those that are new or have forgotten if you have a question or a comment that you want me to see and respond to, please make it at Dan's Fish. It'll highlight in my feed and I'll be able to pick it out among all the just friendly banter that's going on. So if you make it at Dan's Fish, I'll pick it up. If you don't make it at Dan's Fish, the odds are that I probably won't see it because I don't like to take a lot of time reading through the comments looking for something to respond to because I think it creates a dead air time, which is fairly boring. 
Um, also, <clears throat> if I occasionally cough or my voice is rough, I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I don't know, there's a cold that's trying to get me. I'm fighting hard, but it's trying to get me. So I apologize in advance if any of that goes down. But anyway, good to be here. Um, hope you all had a wonderful week. And let me show you this thing. So here's what I've come up with. This is a, a two and a half gallon aquarium. It's all painted flat black except for the front. So hopefully, hopefully I can put a, a flash on here and turn out all the lights in the room, put a fish in here, put the flash on and get a good shot without all the light bleeding in. And then the other thing I've done is I've got some of these made and these are museum glass. So there's very little glare on them. So I can slide them in here like so. I don't know if y'all saw that. Do it again. Sorry, I lowered the tank off camera, I think. Put that in there. And that will allow me to put the fish in here. And then the fish can't swim back so far. And it keeps it within the field of, uh, of focus for the camera. There's also this little piece. Whoops, that's the lid. <laughs> Sorry. This little piece that I can put in to kind of help move, keep the fish where I need it within that field of focus. So that's what I did. I haven't tried it out yet but I'm pretty sure it'll work pretty good. This whole doodad, um, the tank was about 18 bucks. Paints, I don't know what paint was. I had it laying around. And then I got the glass cut at a picture frame gallery. Uh, they have scraps of glass. And so they gave me the lid and the two inserts plus the big insert to manipulate the fish, all for about 20 bucks. So for under 40 bucks, got a photo tank. I went to buy, to buy one and they were like 300 bucks for a photo tank. So I was like, nah, I'll DIY that. One day maybe I'll care enough to spend 300 bucks on like an acrylic seamless photo tank. But today I don't. So, so anyway, that was my fix. We'll see how it goes. I'm no photographer, but the biggest problem I have is glare. And so this will allow me to control the light. So there's only light coming from above and cut down from the glare of light coming in, you know, through the viewing pane. So hopefully it'll work. You'll see the results pretty soon here. I've been working like mad. For those that have been on Get Gills, you'll see I've posted, I don't know, 20 new species. I don't know exactly in the last day or two. And I've been working real hard to get videos attached to them. I took some real quick, real horrible pictures just to have a thumbnail. And I'm going to be replacing those pictures with the tanks from this, uh, this tank, but waiting to post a fish till I had a quality image and a quality video, it was going to be next year before I got them all posted. So just went ahead and did it. Bam Aquatic says, hi, Dan's Fish. Hey, Bam. So there's an example of how to do it. Make it at Dan's Fish. I'll see it and I'll get right on it. Go Fish Aquatics. Good idea. Yeah, hopefully it works. I mean, right now the idea is good. We'll see if the practice is good. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, as they say, right? <laughs> um, Bob Kaler's fish hobby, great idea. Cool, I think so too. Oh my gosh, crazy expensive, 300 bucks. Yeah, I think that's right. I might be exaggerating and I haven't looked at it for a long time, but I think that's how much it was. Real quick, let me let me do a look-see here. Uh, photo tank. Um, shopping. Oh, that's not getting me even closer. Um, I'd have to do some serious Google work, but yeah, it was expensive. It was real expensive for just a tiny little you know, aquarium to take pictures in because it's like special acrylic and it's seamless and all that stuff. So I'm going to see how this goes. If this goes really well, then this stuff, it's just amazing. This is, um, 
museum glass. So I don't know if this will show you, and my fingerprints are all over it. I haven't wiped it clean, but there's like no glare on this really. Oh, there's just a little bit there if I tilt it that way, but almost no glare on that. Whereas if you look at, I don't know, this, see all that glare? See how the reflection of the computer screen is just right in your face compared to compared to this. I mean, there's a little bit there, but it's much, much less. So if this works out, I think what I'll do is I'll build a photo tank out of museum glass completely so that, you know, that that viewing pane that you're taking the, the picture through doesn't have a bunch of glare on it. So we'll try that and see if I can get it. It's nice. Uh, the owner of the frame store is uh, yeah, a friend of the family. And so she's throwing away glass all the time. And she's got this amazing glass cutter. You take a sheet of glass, you put it in. It's almost like a panel saw. You put it in, you just go and you snap it and it's done. Like so easy peasy. Uh, no worries at all. So yeah, so that's, that's what I hope to do. Um, Bam Aquatics, not sure if you realize Dan's fish, but Bam is Rick. We have been emailing. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, wait, I did. I realized that today during Bob Kaler's uh, live stream of him unboxing the rainbow fish this morning. Uh, was that this morning? Yesterday. The days are blurring. When he, I saw him respond to your uh, comment and say Rick. So yeah, I think I, I just realized that yesterday. <laughs> Well, I try, this is one reason why I try to treat every email or Facebook message or whatever, um, you know, and really try to help the person because who knows, maybe they're someone that's on here all the time. I don't know. <laughs> Back 40 Aqua. I like it. Back 40 Aqua. That's a cool username. Three younger silver dollars and a 40. All they eat is floating plants. Yep. And bug bites. Worried about their diet. Thoughts? N no, they. that's great. Silver dollars should be eating a lot of vegetable matter. That's an important part of their diet. So keep giving them more of that. Um, are you saying that that's all they'll eat and you're worried they won't eat other things? If that's the case, I, I bet you you could get them onto Rapashi. Here's the trick with getting fish to eat food that they're not used to. Now, I want to give you a caveat to this. There are some fish that are obligate predators, predators, predators. Sounds like a sounds like a band, like a tribute band for the doors, predators, predators that um, are only really cued in to moving live food. This would be like South American leaf fish. Um, there's a few other fish, but th th that's what they target. Most fish, though, we can get to eat almost anything in the aquarium. And the way to do it, there's a couple ways. The way I do it, and I do it a lot, I get fish from the wild, I get fish from farms, I get fish from foreign countries that have been farmed from Florida, that have been farmed from other hobbyists. So they're coming with a, a whole different range of exposure to different foods. Some of them have never seen captive foods before. Some of them eat it right up because they've been fed it every day. And some of them have eaten captive foods, but totally different than what we're feeding. And the way I do it is um, I always have live food and frozen food on hand because most fish will eat that. Uh, I'm lucky I can do that. So I'll start with, I'll start trying to feed them flakes. If they'll eat the flakes, great. 
Then they'll try pellets. If they'll eat the pellets, great. Then of course they're going to eat frozen food and live food. And then I try rapashi. That's usually the last step. Some fish automatically go to rapashi. Some have to learn that it's food. It takes a little while. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. But if I try pellets and I try flakes and they just won't eat it at all, then I try frozen. If they eat that, great. Then I'll keep them on frozen. And what I'll do is I usually feed a, a couple, three times a day because I'm, I'm here a lot. I can do that. But sometimes I'll only feed once a day. It depends on how established the tank is. Depends on if the fish are young and growing. Depends on um, a lot of factors. Sometimes it's a tank that's tentatively established and I don't want to feed a ton because it'll screw up the biological system. So I start slow. But anyway, um, so if they're feeding frozen, then what I'll do is before I feed the first feeding in the day, I'll feed a little flake or a little pellet. And usually they'll nibble at it and spit it out. They're not interested. Okay, that's fine. Then I'll feed the frozen because they're eating that or the live or whatever they're eating. Uh, hey, back 40 aqua, 199. Awesome. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Glad you appreciate it. And I appreciate the, the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required. Um, so I'll feed them the food I'm trying to get them to eat. They probably won't eat it. And then I'll feed them the food they're used to eating. And I'll just keep doing that. And after, sometimes it takes a week or two, but usually they'll end up getting so accustomed to the food I'm trying to get them to eat that they'll start eating it after being exposed to it for a few days or a week or two weeks. So that's how I usually do it. So I usually don't end up having to like starve fish or uh, fast fish for any length of time to get them to eat new foods. It's almost always about just uh, repeated exposure until they get used to the food and then they can eat it. Now, here's another trick is if you have a fish that will eat the food that you're trying to get the non-eater to eat, <laughs> the non-eater, that's what your silver dollars are. <laughs> um, then put that fish in the aquarium and the new fish or the fish that aren't eating that food will see the other fish eating it. And just by example, they'll gradually pick up on that and start eating that. So like the peacock gudgeons, peacock gudgeons can be really hard to get to eat frozen or not frozen. They'll eat frozen and live, but they're hard to get to eat uh, flakes and pellets. When I buy peacock gudgeons, they always come in a bag and there's always some black worms in there. So that tells me that the tank they're coming out of, they're being caught at at the farm or the wholesaler or what have you, is feeding them blackworms. So they can't even get them to eat flake and pellets. They wouldn't feed blackworms unless they had to because they're expensive, right? So the way I get those to eat is I'll put in flakes or pellets or whatever, and they won't touch it. But there's one little guppy in that tank. It's a female guppy. And I only feed really lightly because I know they're not going to eat it, but they pick out a little bit, spit it back out. And then she goes and eats it all. And then, then I feed them what they're going to eat, frozen food or live food. And after a few days, she's constantly going at the food that they're not eating. And so they, they don't stop picking at it because their reaction is if another fish is going to pick at it, they're get, or is eating it, they want to get in on that. So if you get like an example fish in there, that can help switch them to a new food as well. So those are the two main tricks I use. Every now and then, um, if I can't get a fish to eat on something, then I will fast the fish. And I'll go, if they have good body weight and they're in good health, 
and they seem like they're just fine, then I'll go up to five days, maybe even a week to see if I can transfer them to a new food. Now, if they're not a robust fish, I would not do it that long for sure. Or I wouldn't even try to switch food at that point. But if they're healthy, good body mass and ready to go with life, then then I'll do that. And I rarely, rarely have to resort to that. In fact, I haven't done that in years to tell you the truth because the other way works just fine. And so I've never, I haven't had to do that for a long, long time. So anyway, back 40 aqua, that's how I get fish to eat uh, new foods, which I'm assuming was the question. Even if it wasn't, gave me an opportunity to, uh, to rant a bit on that. So thank you. <laughs> Bathphilia, dance fish. I've often heard that killifish are relatively temperature tolerant. I run unheated tanks that drop down to about 64 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter. Would African lamp-eye killifish tolerate these conditions? Um, so bathyphilia, that's a, that's a great question. Let me start this by saying that there are no general rules for killifish. There are killifish species that only thrive at pretty high temperatures. Um, your, well, not only thrive, but, but really do well at high temperatures. A lot of your pupfish are like that because they're coming out of heated water that comes out of a heated spring. A lot of your phaneas are like that. Some of them just come from hot environments. Um, most of the Aplicylus, in my experience, like it warm. So there's so many killifish from so many different environments. They're, they're all over the world. North America, South America, Africa, Asia. Um, so they're, they're so widespread. Europe, the Middle East, <laughs> Spain has killifish. Um, so there's no hard and fast rules. But there are lots of species that would do well down to about 64 degrees. In what I would encourage you to do is go to the American Killifish Association website or the West African Killifish website and look for species that are from forest streams. So there's species that are out on the savanna or kind of the coastal plains. Those generally get warmer. But there's species that come from forested streams. So you have the shallow stream covered by trees and stuff so the sun doesn't hit it, so it stays cool. Plus all the evaporation from that further cools it. And some of these streams are up in the mountains. So even though they're in like a tropical zone, they're at a high elevation. So any of those species, like the diapteron aphiosemians, those would do great at those temperatures. In fact, most people fail with those fish because they can't provide that temperature. So 64 degrees to them would be just wonderful. Um, most of your native to the United States killifish would do fine is 64 degrees. Not all the pupfish would, but most of the fundalists and things like that would do fine down there. Let's see, or what else? Uh, I mean, if Phaneas can take it down there, they go from really hot to really cold in their environment. They only really perk up and spawn and stuff in the, in the warmer temperatures, but they can certainly survive cooler temperatures, most of them. So there are a lot of species that would do well at that. But there's others that 64 would be awful chilly for them. So it really just depends. So I don't have a exact, yes, killifish can go in that temperature or no, they can't answer for you. If there's a specific species you're wondering about, if, oh, you, duh, I'm sorry. 
looking at the question again, you said lamp eyes. Some lamp eyes would probably do well down there. I've never kept them down there, so I don't know for sure. Um, sorry, I forgot that bit of the question at the end until just now. Yeah, I, I, I'm hesitant to speak unless it's my personal experience. I've never kept them down there. Now, I know a lot of other killifish keepers that keep lamp eyes and other killifish that their fish rooms routinely get in the winters down to 65, 68 in, in that range. So I assume they would be okay. But unless, unless I have personal experience with it, I, I hate to say yes or no. So bathyphilia, that's it's about as good an answer as I can give you without um, doing some research or calling some friends of mine that keep lamp eyes and, and asking them if they think a specific species of lamp eye would be okay down there. Sorry, I can't give you anything better than that at the moment. Greg Hawks at Dance Fish, I've been trying to find a way to keep a ripashi at the surface for surface feeders. Ideas? I know that's the bane of my existence. So I was actually dreaming about that last night, literally. Like, <laughs> this is how exciting my life is. <laughs> I was literally dreaming about creating an invention that would keep Rapashi at the surface. And I, I haven't, I didn't really think of it yet, but I know I thought of like sticking it in a fork and then putting that fork on a suction cup up at the surface, you know, stuff like that. But I haven't put a lot of actually conscious thought into it, Craig. So I don't have any ideas for you right now, but I was literally dreaming about that last night. 54 Punchy says, the best place to buy and sell fish, getgills.com. Well, thank you, 54 Punchy, and I agree. If you have fish to sell, please check it out. You're welcome to list your fish for sale there. Or if you want to buy fish, you can buy from other hobbyists and stores at that site. Lots of people have fish for sale there. Let's see here. Does anyone else do anything with Rapashi to keep it at the surface? There's got to be other people that have run into that. Oh, I also thought of like strawberry cages, like getting those little plastic cages that strawberries used to be sold in. They float, if I remember right, and putting them in there and putting the Rapashi in there so fish could kind of swim around and eat it up there. But that's not exactly at the surface. Otter Creek Aquatics at Dan's Fish. Hey, man, hope I'm not too late. Otter Creek tardiness is not tolerated. You will be punished severely. Glad you're here, man. Thanks for joining us. Bam Aquatics at Dance Fish. What is your go-to resource for killies? The American Killifish Association. If you aren't familiar with it, they have a great website. For like some minuscule fee, like 30 bucks for a year, you can become a member. You'll get a bi-monthly amazing journal of the American Killifish Association with tons of articles about killifish. You'll have access to parts of their website that give you a ton of information. And you'll have access to the roster of members of the American Killifish Association, and you can contact them. You'll also get a monthly thing called Killy, what the business newsletter, BNL is, I know it is the BNL, the business newsletter, where uh, killifish keepers that have fish for sale will list in there. And you'll get to know pretty quick who keeps what. And then Killy Geeks almost always love to hear from other Killy Geeks. And you can call or email and say, um, hey, I'm thinking about getting this fish. I, I've heard that you've kept it or I've seen that you've listed it or I read your article you wrote on it. And I've got this question about this fish. You know, tell me about it. And 
you get a ton of information there. What I love about it is it's direct from the source. So it's not rumors. Well, sometimes it is. We're like any other group of people. But um, generally, you can talk to a person that's currently keeping that fish or has kept that fish and get the information straight from them. So that's what I love about that. So the American Killifish Association, the longest running non-for-profit fish organization in the world, I think. Yeah, if I remember right, is my go-to for information and in the in the hobbyists that are a member of that association. So that would be my recommendation. There's also some other great sites like West what is it called? Like killifish of West Africa or West African killifish or something like that. There's a dude in Britain that has created this site that is very informative. Um, and, and actually done kind of in conjunction as part of the American killifish association site. Now, if, I don't know exactly what that affiliation is, but they're connected somehow. And that's a good resource too. And and just friends. I mean, I've been keeping killifish since I was 13, 14 years old, seventh grade. So I've just, you know, through the years, made a lot of friends and contacts with people that keep them. So there's that too. I generally know someone who's keeping whatever I'm looking for and I can contact them. Uh, Craig Hawks, Bob just mentioned sticking to the side of the tank. Really? Can you actually just press it against the side of the tank like an O-nip tab? And it'll stick or like a freeze-dried glob of bloodworms? Are you sure, Bob? I mean, I think that would work if you dried out the cube first and then tried it, maybe. I've never tried that. I don't think it would stick. I could be wrong. Let's see. Bob has an answer here. At Craig Hawks. I've had moderate success using a feeding cone, but mainly with small fish. Yeah, because they can get up to it. Some consistencies, the drier blend will stick to the side of the glass. Oh, okay. Okay. So not like the community blend, but maybe like a, a morning wood or something like that. What about Soylent Green, Bob? Have you ever tried that one? Um, yeah, so I was just envisioning trying to stick a cube of community blend. And I was like, there's no way but maybe some of the others would do that. All right, cool. Bathphilia, thanks for the info. I'm very tempted by the lamp eyes you have listed at Get Gills. Maybe I'll have to be the person to check out their temperature preferences. Yeah, do some research, check it out. Uh, Bathphilia, if you end up not being able to find an answer, would you, but please do the research. I mean, do a little work. And then if after that you really can't find an answer, would you email me, dan at dansfish.com and tell me, hey, I'm Bathphilia, I was asking about keeping lamp eyes down to 64 degrees. Let me know which species you were thinking about, and then I'll contact some people and get an answer as to whether any of them have tried it and if they think it would work or not. So let's just try something here. Um, Lagos, Nigeria, um, temps. Let's see how cold it gets there. Let's see here. Gets down to the 70s in the city there. So up in the mountains. Yeah, I bet they would be fine. But let's let's do some research and find out. My gut bathphilia, bathyphilia, is that they would... You love baths? Is that what that means? <laughs> bathyphilia related to showery philia. Let's, my gut is that 
they'll be just fine down there. But let's let's do a little research and find out. Goodness knows when they came in, they were like 61 degrees. So. <laughs> um, Bam Aquatics. Yes, said Dance Fish. Well, you are my primary resource right now. All right. <laughs> Glad to be it. But man, we got to get you some others because I know a few things, but there's other people that know a lot more about Achilles than I do for sure. Michael Wilson. Dance Fish. Try stirring in a small amount of carbonated water. No flavor or sweeteners. Okay. To repash it before it cools and solidifies. Should trap bubbles to get it to float. Hey, Craig Hawks, did you see that? That might be worth trying. Do it with fizzy water. Yeah. <laughs> Here it goes. I warned you. <coughs> Excuse me. That's going to just happen a few times tonight, I'm afraid. Got to start smoking. Cure my cough. Um, Michael Wilson, that's that's kind of a cool idea. Yep. Craig Hawks, I always blend several of them. I'm definitely trying it tonight. Cool. Mob Guppy, what is the best way to eradicate duckweed? Okay. <laughs> well, apparently you need to get some of these uh, silver dollars. <laughs> but all joking aside, a plant-eating fish is a good way. Goldfish, uh, silver dollars, uh, severums, um, Oh, none others are coming to mind, but there's lots of fish that will just eat it. What is the best way to eradicate duckweed? Duckweed is the enemy of the fish keeper unless you have goldfish. Yeah, so <coughs> I apologize, people. So, yeah, I think that um, so you already know about goldfish. I guess I should have re finished reading your comment before I responded to it. It's a fault I have. Um Well, here's how I did it. So duckweed came in with the original plants I got in here and it was spread to all my tanks. And I decided, I actually like duckweed, but I decided I got sick of it getting all over my arms when I'd reach in to do the tanks and things like that. I don't have a problem with it in the tanks other than that and a few other things. But so I decided I didn't want it in the fish room anymore, mainly because it wasn't my choice that it was there, right? It was just there and um, I mean, it's a plant that you have whether you want it or not. That's the problem. Most plants, you know, if you don't want them, you just pull them out and they're done. But duckweed, yeah, that's why I didn't want it because it's hard to control. So I literally spent hours and I went through each tank and I picked it out. I took tweezers and I picked it out. And then a, few, a week later, I'd go and I'd see a couple little, you know, how they, the leaves look like little florets kind of. I'd see one that I'd missed come out. I'd pick it out and I just picked it out and picked it out and picked it out until I'd eradicated it. That was a year ago. A couple weeks ago, I looked in a tank and I found duckweed again. So I'm picking it out again of that tank. The other thing that helps me is I keep water sprite in my tanks. Water sprite sucks up so many nutrients. It's such a quick growing nitrate hog that it outcompetes duckweed. So that's why it took a year for me to see new florets sprouting in that tank because it, it had maybe one or two had been surviving somewhere, but there were, and it wasn't an infestation. There were just a few here or there because the water sprite outcompetes it. So water sprite, in my opinion, is great for keeping it under control. Those are kind of my, that's how I did it. Bathyphilia. 
soul thing. Well, good. Okay. I look forward to your email if you still need help on that. But yeah, my gut is they'll be fine. But, but let's check. Um, bathyphilia, dance fish. Bathyphilia, or phila, not philia. Oh, no wonder I'm saying it wrong. Phila is classical Greek for lover of the deep. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Like bath, the, like water, like the ocean. Yeah, depths. Yeah, I get it. Cool. 54 punchy. You could... <coughs> Man, sorry. 54 punchy has a uh, method for getting rid of duckweed. You can also miss the top of it daily. Duckweed does not like to get wet. Cool. If you just missed it frequently. Cool. Okay. Um, Pavilion end. Can I bring, can I breed albino bristle nose with black eye gold bristle nose? Um, I don't know what a black eye gold bristle nose is. Is it an ancestress? Is it the same species? Black eyed gold bristle nose. It's not popping up in Google when I search it, which makes me wonder. Oh, there it is. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure that they would breed together. I don't know if you'd want them to. Like, I don't know if they're two different species or if they're just a morph of the same species. But, and I'm not a big pleco guy. If someone in here that is, if Mile High's here or Bob's kept some plecos, if some other folks here are pleco people, then uh, please chime in. But uh, yeah, Pavlon End, I think you could do that. I think that they would breed. So I think they're probably the same species. But they're both ancestors from what I just saw in the picture. So I think they'll breed. Laziest place. <clears throat> really, I didn't know that. Thanks, 54 Punchy. That may be why mine dies. Cool. Uh, Go Fish Aquatics tried Nat Dan's fish. I tr Granny Guppy, I've tried club soda and rapashi. Sometimes it works. So maybe do it and then put it in the fridge or in my, my case on the back porch. It's so cold outside to cool it quickly before all the bubbles escape. So yeah, maybe cooling it down quickly before they escape is the, uh, is, is a trick. Craig Ox has a duckweed eradication method. I use a cylinder shaped piece of filter foam. Okay. I roll and turn it and pull it out. It's not a long process and it can clear a tank and I can clear a tank in two to three days. Okay. So you've got a cylinder of foam. You put it in the tank, you turn it, the duck, okay, I get it, the duckweed. So you're going like this, right? You're rolling this across the top of the water and the duckweed is clinging to it and then you pull it out, is that right? So it like, acts kind of like a magnet, the, the duckweed just whoosh, sticks to it. Yeah, that, that makes sense, Craig, if, if I'm understanding you right. Let me know if that's right, but that makes sense. Mob Guppy, thanks. Well, you're welcome. Hope it hope it works at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I like uh, so far. Fifty four punchies and Craig's way seems the best. Get out what you can real quick and then spray the rest. That's a lot easier than what I did. I literally tweezers. I mean, <laughs> it was a long process. I, I caught up on a lot of live stream replays uh, while I was doing that. It took a while. <laughs> Uh, 
Lacey says, yes, I have an HOB. Hang on back for those that don't know. And most of my tanks in the plants all tumble in it. Come to think of it, I haven't tried putting it in tanks with the spun filters only. Cool. So, so you have duckweed in your tank, but the hang on back filter like tumbles it. So it gets wet under the water and yeah, and, and dies off. That makes sense. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to give you all a kind of shipping update. We're into really cold weather shipping right now, for sure. And so I've changed all my shipping to, at least from now on, to overnight or express. I don't like to say overnight because express doesn't always get there overnight. Sometimes it takes them two days. I've had express take four days, five one time last winter. So I call it express, not overnight because... It doesn't always do that, but usually it does. And um, so I've changed to that just because I don't want to take the risks. It's something like priority often gets there in two days, and that's usually fine. But in the winter or during the holidays, if something goes wrong with priority, you're in trouble. Express, it's usually the next day. And if something went wrong there and it was delayed one day, you would still be fine because it still usually get there in two days if it didn't get there in one. So it's a little more expensive, but I think it's, you know, it just makes me feel so much better knowing that the fish will be there the next day if all goes well, sometimes the day after that. Heat packs are definitely a thing. Uh, styrofoam insulation, please, please. In fact, even in the summer, people, let's be real. Let's, let's always insulate our boxes. Um, styro liners help so much. But um, I'm happy to say that of all the fish I sent out this week, and there were a lot, um, they all made it alive. One package still has not arrived. That's going to California. That's the, um, the moogills, the mullets that showed up in this shipment from Nigeria out of nowhere. So I'm sending those to a guy named Phil Farrell. He's a friend of mine, and he's got a big tank, and he likes weird, you know, oddball type fish. So he's getting those. But those haven't arrived, but everything else arrived alive and in good shape. Some of them arrived pretty cold, and that's just kind of a fact of winter shipping. So I think what I'll do in the larger boxes is I'll add an extra heat pack just to just because. The smaller boxes seem to have done well because the heat packs were able to keep up on the small, smaller volume boxes. But if you look at Bob Kaler's channel, he did an unboxing. You'll see the the rainbows that I sent to him came in. They, they came in cold, but they made it. And um, the fish I sent to other people in the small boxes came in just fine. So that's kind of where we're at temperature-wise right now. So cold weather shipping, everyone, it's something everyone's nervous about. It can totally be done. I'm always nervous about it too, but as long as you insulate well, have heat packs, and ship quickly, honestly, it's usually fine. Not usually. It's the vast majority of the times it's fine. So I'm still right now for the year above 99% success rate getting fish to people alive. And not just that, but they're still alive, you know, a month later, <laughs> a few weeks later, unless they jump or something. I don't count that because that's not a health issue. If you have, if you buy bettas or killifish from me, um, cover the tank. Lamp eyes don't seem to jump as much, but all the other stuff. Yeah. So I'm happy to say that cold weather shipping is going fine. I'll keep you guys updated. If I have any catastrophes that you can learn from, I'll share them with you. But um, 
I would say don't be nervous about it, but of course you're going to be nervous. I'm nervous about it, but just be prepared and, and it should go fine. So it's been okay so far. Craig Cox, tweezers, you have more patience than anyone I know. I was just determined. I was very impatient, but I was very determined. <laughs> Mob Guppy, night at Dance Fishing, everybody. Well, good night, Mob Guppy. Sweet dreams and all that. All right, so um, I'm wondering how, every, oh, I have great news. So the peacock gudgeons I got in, I just listed those for sale at getgills.com. And while I was making the little video to accompany the listing, I noticed there was a male that had claimed the pipe and was sitting on eggs. So I've got my first clup, my first clup, <laughs> got a clup, <laughs> my first clutch of peacock gudgeon eggs going right now. I'm really excited about that. I think right after this live stream, I'll probably remove them because I'm a little bit nervous about the uh, plecos getting at them tonight. <laughs> it's very possible. So yeah, they're, they're doing great. They're going strong. So that was really exciting. and makes me wonder what all you guys have got going on. Has anyone had any spawns in the last few weeks? We haven't talked about this in oh, probably a month or so. Been so focused on the fish that came in from Nigeria. But what y'all got spawning, how you doing? Any methods that you're using to hatch eggs or get fish to spawn or raise fry? Love to hear about that. That's something I'm very passionate about. And I'm thinking about there's one row of tanks in my fish room that has 75 gallons on the bottom and it's built so I could put three more 75 gallons on the top. I haven't done that yet. And part of me, what I think I might do instead is put uh, 10 gallon tanks on there, but with the view side facing out instead of endwise, so you can have a good view and uh, use those to make videos of spawning fish. It's hard in the 75 gallons because they're so big to catch them well. It's hard in the 30 breeders I have because they're so scratched up. And then the five and a half gallons I have are just endwise. So there's a lot of fish breeding in those, but the viewing pane is so small. So I've got inspired a bit by uh, Mark's Aquatics, I believe. He's a, a British station, but he does these great videos of all the different species he's breeding. And so I think I'll use the space to do something like that. That's where my mind is at right now. And uh, have, you know, several species breeding at once and make videos of that. So anyway, wondering what you all got on spawning in your fish room. I know Thomas has some stuff. I know Bob's raising some... Um, what, rainbow cichlids, Bob? Is that what it is you had for sale? Stuff like that. So, yeah, just curious. Go Fish Aquatics at Dance Fish. Your package, so good. Yeah, I work hard on my packaging. Um, it's really important to me. So, Go Fish, did you get fish for me this week? Um, there's a lot of people I sent fish to, but I don't know your real name versus your username. <laughs> but, yeah, for anyone that hasn't shipped fish or isn't satisfied with their methods... Um, I, I'm on a mission to inform people about what I think is a proper way, not the proper way, but a proper way to ship fish. I've got a video on my YouTube channel that is about how I ship fish. You can see the, all the techniques of packing them and sealing them and, and how it's done. It's very specific and it's worked well for a long time. It's something that's very important to me. Because as the mom and pop stores dry up, which is very unfortunate, but as they disappear, where are you going to go for quality fish? Are you going to go to a big box store 
well, maybe you might have one that is good in your area. Um, or are you going, if you're looking for something that they don't sell or that's better quality, depending on the store you have, your option is going to be online pretty much. And so we have to get good at shipping these fish because a, a lot of mom and pops are drying up. And so we are the resource for each other. B, there's a lot of species that pet stores just never do carry. And so we are the resource for each other for those two. So I take it very seriously, the shipping of the fish. And that's my, that's the hill I'm going to die on is that in order to do it well, you have to give your fish a good experience as good as possible. I mean, they're being put in bags, in boxes and sent. It's not a luxury cruise, but you know, we do it too. We go to the airport and sit and coach, right? I mean, it's the way to travel. So the fish have as good of an experience as possible. The customer has as good an experience as possible. And I'm not talking about just when they receive the fish, that they're alive. I'm talking about they're alive, they're hardy, they're, geez, my kids are playing again upstairs. I don't know what they're doing, but sounds awful fun. <laughs> um, and that they're accustomed to aquarium life and that they're going to survive long term. And here's the one that most people miss. That the freight provider, the, the shipper has a good experience, whether that's the United States Postal Service or FedEx or um, UPS or DHL, or I don't know how you're sending them. Royal Mail, if you're not in the United States, if you're in Europe, maybe. Um, all those folks are very important to this process, and they all need to have a good experience with us, including the postal workers. Yes, sometimes they screw up, and yes, sometimes it's frustrating. But sometimes we screw up, too, and our package leaks all over all their other packages. So give them a break, right? Um, yeah, anyway, I'm going to get off the... The rant, but I can't imagine how horrible it would be for me if the Postal Service and FedEx and UPS said, we're just not letting fish ship anymore because you all are jerks and you're shipping fish horribly. So they're leaking all over and ruining all our other packages and you're killing a bunch of fish and it's just inhumane, right? So if that all goes away, how am I in a small town out in Wyoming, where the nearest big city is Denver, which is a six hour drive, how am I gonna get fish if I can't get them through the mail, All right? And I think there's a lot of people in that situation that are in small towns or don't have a good pet store or don't have a thriving fish club or, or maybe they do, but they don't have that species in that area. You know, so, uh, Shipping's so important to me. Anyway, I'll get, I'm done. I'm done. But, but that's why I put the time into it. And that's why I do it the way I do it. And don't get me wrong. Every now and then something goes wrong. Like this week, there was a package that got to the guy's post office. <coughs> I shipped Monday. <coughs> I'm not fine. I shipped Monday. The package got to this gentleman in Chicago or outside of Chicago. The next day, it was a hold for pickup shipment. The post, uh, the post office could not find it. So he was there for like two hours and they kept telling him it's not here. And we're looking at the track and it's like, it's there. 
it was really frustrating. So he didn't end up getting his fish until today. He went back. They had found them. He got them. But, you know, so stuff does go wrong. But in general, if we do our job right, if we expect the fish to be in the mail, we pack it so it can stay for three days in the mail instead of one day, right? Sorry, let me rephrase that. If we expect the transit time to be one day, pack it for three days. Then if something goes wrong, it's still okay. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done take three. I really am. Sorry. Uh, GoFish says, at DanceFish, I didn't, not this week, but I have a couple times. Okay, cool. Cool. <clears throat> Craig Hawks, at DanceFish, spawning, my L333s are getting romantic. Cool. Which one's that? L33. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's beautiful. So for those that don't know what that is, here they are. So some kind of zebra pleco, right? Man, those are good looking. Um, several versions of bristle nose in my Xenotoka Duo Dry might be dropping the last fry until midsummer. Beautiful. I love those Xenotokas. They're, they're awesome fish. Um, I had the privilege and pleasure of touring Craig Sage's fish room when I drove to Denver to pick up the uh, import from Nigeria. And those Xenotoka Duodrai, which I'm... Duodrai? <laughs> it's one of the hardest species names to pronounce if you're American because of all the vowel combinations. Um, they're stunning. They just don't disappoint. They're beautiful, beautiful fish. Go fish aquatics at Dan's Fish. No to the big box. Support little guys. Better quality, especially for breeding. Yeah, I, I agree. Although <coughs> every now and then, <coughs> oh, I apologize. I told you it'd be bad. I mean, some people, all they have available is a big box. And yeah, I get it. But yeah, I'm not a big fan either as a hobbyist. I, I think most hobbyists aren't because they know enough to see the issues, right? TM Aquatics. Hey, glad you made it, TM. At Dan's Fish, I have about 100 Ocelotus gold shell dwellers. Good, Fry, and some Praycox rainbows. Working on LDA01s, L46. Man, lots of plecos coming up here. L066, L75, L134, and, and the list goes on. Well, I'll read them for anyone that's uh, lurking and, you know, isn't at their computer, but is you know, feeding their fish or changing water. L201, L257, L264, L333, and L397s. Plecos are definitely a marathon. Man, that's awesome. I hope they all do super well for you. For those that don't know, TM Aquatics has some great little shell dwellers posted for sale on getgills.com. They're the Ocelotus Gold Shell Dwellers. And, uh, TM, I actually featured you today on the Get Gills Facebook page. Um, it's not a place to promote sales or list your stuff for sale. It's more a place for discussion and information and talking fish. Or I have a question about Get Gills. How do I use this function? Or this isn't working for me. Stuff like that. But um, once a week, I do a little spotlight of one of the sellers on Get Gills. And this week, TM, I put you up there. So I don't know if you've seen that yet, but check it out if you haven't. Um, let's see here. Oh, by the way, if you want to see another unboxing of fish I've shipped out, 54 Punchy 
is going has done one. Is it out yet, Pam? Or is that like a tomorrow thing? I sent her some of those awesome little nano lamp eyes. They're um, Congo Panchax Myers eye. They're only like they're like under an inch, maybe an inch, the biggest ones, with this bright glowing blue eye. They're pretty cool little nano fish. Oh no. Bob Kaler. Sadly, all my fish that came in today are DOA. I suspect it was due to the heat pack being wedged between the bags. Oh yeah, no paper space to allow it to activate. <clears throat> While you were giving the PO talk, I began punching, picking up the unboxing items. Guess what? The cold heat pack is now hot four hours later. Yeah. Says in the directions not to put it against plastic bags and to make an open space, even with paper between plastic and the heat pack. Yeah. So I'm sorry to hear that happen, Bob. What kind of fish were they? If you don't, well, that's a personal, you don't have to tell us any of that. I'm sorry. Um, but so here's something about heat packs. For those that don't know, you can't just throw them in the box. You have to. So what I do is I wrap them in newspaper because if I tape the heat pack to the top of the box, the heat pack itself does not adhere well to tape and it'll slip out during the tra during the sh transit. Um, so I wrap them in newspaper just so that when I tape them to the top of the box, I'm taping the newspaper that they're wrapped into the top so it'll stick well and not fall off. But you have to do that. There's a pink stripe on one, I don't have any heat packs here, they're all in a bucket under a rack, but the heat packs, You'll see on one side, a pink line that goes down the center of the heat pack. That line has to be able to get air. It has to suck up oxygen so it can create the reaction to create the heat. So if you take that line and you cover it with something, then no air gets to it. And then the reaction can't happen and no heat is produced. This happens all the time. Wholesalers are bad at it too. So Find a method to make sure that that, <laughs> that pink line, that side, is getting oxygen. Uh, it's very important. Otherwise, the whole thing shuts down. Man, Bob, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, that's no good. Well, I hope that the seller, whoever it was, takes good care of you and makes it right. I mean, it's hard to make it right because we killed an animal, which is always sad. But hopefully they take care of you and resend or whatever. Um, and you know what? Shipping's a learning curve as well. It's, it's something that you get better at with experience. You do it, it works. And then suddenly it's like something happened. It's like, wait, what? Hopefully the person you sold them to will communicate to you what the problem was. So you can be like, Oh, figure out how to solve that. You go, everything's great. And then there'll be another unexpected problem and you figure it out. And over time you'll, you'll get it. So if you're, if you're trying to ship, um, please do watch that video I have. I think it's a good one. Um, talk to anyone else who ships fish regularly. Get all the information you can. Try it out and learn from mistakes and correct, and you'll get good pretty quick. I'm always available if anyone is shipping and is nervous about it. I will do a video chat with you. I'll, I'll watch as you package the thing and give you ideas or suggestions. I will do whatever I can to help you be successful shipping your fish. Um, it's important to me that that 
is a skill that we all get good at if that's something we're doing. So I'm around. I can help. If you want to do a test box, you can always pack one up as if you were shipping fish. Don't put the fish in the bags, but put the water in there, put the heat pack in there, all that stuff. You can ship it to me. And when it gets here, I'll get you on a video call. We'll unbox it and look at it. We'll see how warm it is. We'll see if anything leaked. You know, we can do that too. So whatever I can do to help with making you more successful at shipping fish, I, I want to do it because I think it's super important. All right. Hey, I have a question real quick. So my my bald head is glorious, but also very glary. If I turn, if I turn, wow, that was loud. If I turn this light out, just a sec. Is this better or worse? Um, is that better or is that worse? Could you guys let me know on your end if that's a better view? Thanks. Um, let's see here. I probably missed some stuff while I was ranting there. Sorry about that. So TM Aquatics on the Ocelotus uh, Gold Shell Dwellers, do you just leave the babies in with the parents or are they one that you have to separate? I know some you can leave in, some are real territorial. And do you do them in shells or do you do them in pipes? I know I've seen a video of, I know you have a video on this. I should just go watch that again, I guess. But if you do use shells, how do you get the babies out? That's that's my question. How do you like ship these when they're hiding in the Escogarsh? Escargo shells, escargo, escogar. Man, I can screw up every word, but escargo is really easy. <laughs> um, 54 punchy. I got some little lamp Achilles from Dan today. I'm waiting for my camera battery to charge. <laughs> it will be out tonight. Cool. G Cunningham, thanks for the pointers on how to refresh my BBS hatching. Cool. Worked like a charm. Awesome. Hey, it's G Cunningham. It's always so nice when. Um, you know, I try to help a lot of people. A lot of times the suggestions I have aren't right for their situation. Or a lot of times they just plain don't try it. But it's always so gratifying when we have a discussion, someone has a problem, and we actually get a good result. So thanks for sharing that. That's very nice to hear. Going to be time to pick up some killies from you. Cool. Come on by. I've got plenty. Plenty, plenty. In fact, I picked, so this is also exciting. Um, got a whole bunch of Fundal Panchax Garden Rye P82 eggs today, which isn't surprising. They're super easy. But the Aplochylus Spilachin, the ones, they're the bigger lamp eye, about two inches with the stripes up this flanks and the bright orange eyes, those are spawning like crazy. Tons of eggs. The um, Congo Panchax Myers Eye, the little ones that I sent to you, 54 Punchy, those are spawning. The eggs are small. <laughs> They're like rainbow fish size small eggs. And speaking of rainbow fish, the dwarf Kamaka rainbows, um, let's see if I can show these to you. These guys are awesome. These guys, that mop was absolutely full of eggs today. Picked a whole bunch of eggs out of there. So along with the peacock gudgeons. I'm, I have four male beta rubra that I am currently plumping up because they're a mouth brooder and I don't want to breed them when they're skinny, but I'm plumping them up. I have a bunch of females ready to go. And in another week or maybe two, I'll be putting them all together. So I expect to have 
a ton of better Ruber fry coming up. The current batch I have is about to sex out. So this will give me a new batch to kind of, you know, keep them going. So stuff's going really, really well here for me as far as breeding goes. What else bred? Um, there were some other things. Oh, the Wapoga Red Lasers. There's babies in all those tanks. I have three of them and there's little babies in all of them, except for the one I put the Epiplates in because they eat them all. But <laughs> um, Okay. Bam Aquatics at Dance Fish. I have packed in the bottom of box with insulation over it. That seemed to work. So you put the heat pack in the bottom. Is that what you're saying? Then you put insulation over it and then the bag's on top of that? As long as the insulation is of a kind that air can get through, um, I could see that working. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've thought of that. I've thought of putting the heat pack on the side. I've thought of putting it on the bottom. I don't have a lot of room in my boxes to put a layer of insulation and stuff. And I'm always afraid that if the heat packs right on a bag, it's going to heat up the water too hot. So I always put it on the top, but yeah, if you put it on the bottom, put some kind of buffer between it and the, and the bags, some kind of buffer that air can actually exchange through. And by buffer, I mean like the insulation you're talking about or something that you can be sure it doesn't slide around or move or something. Um, then yeah, I could totally see that working. Um, let's see here. Bob Kaler, if you look at my video yesterday, I unboxed some amazing rainbows from Dan. His packing is awesome. Thank you. His heat pad was taped to the top of the lid, right? So it could work. Rick, I did a similar thing with your box using paper. Cool. And I hope those arrive well, bam. Um, I'm looking forward maybe to an unboxing Rick. Yeah. Thanks for expounding on it, Dan. Appreciate it. But the shipper has for years and is famous for tossing directions aside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there there are people. I mean, yeah. I mean, for those that don't know, um, most of my adult career, I've been a professor at a college. And I've learned you can give the information. Um, you can offer experience. But people take it or they don't. And, you know, it's okay if someone doesn't want to take my experience, it's fine. They're free to make their own decisions. But if you're constantly having trouble, it's probably time to learn and change, right? Um, Naked Reefer, I've received packages with a plastic tube through the box to allow air to get in. Yeah, I've seen that. I don't know if that was salt water or not, but I see that a lot in coral shipments. Not that I get them, but I have a friend that gets them and he used to give me all his boxes so I could reship with them. So there would be the heat pack on the lid of the box usually and a hole through the box, through the styrofoam and everything so the air would get in. So I've seen that. Um, I think a couple things. I think corals, help me if I'm wrong, I don't know anything about corals, but my friend that keeps corals told me Corals like it cooler, so it's not so bad if they get a little cold. But I was always worried that with that much oxygen, like constant flow, that that heat pack would like get real hot and burn out real fast. Um, but I know that coral people do it. I don't know if other people do it. Does anyone here do that? Have you had good success with that? Oh, wow. I got a super chat. Thank you. Thank you. Let's skip to that real quick and then I'll get back. Bob Kaler's Fish Hobby, 20 bucks. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for being here. Like 
Since early on, Bob was here when almost no one else was. There's a couple stalwarts that have been here for a long time. Hey, 43 watching. That's not bad for this little channel. Welcome, everybody. Bob Kaler, thanks for all you do for us in the hobby, Dan. Much appreciated. Well, Bob, thanks for your support. And everyone else, thanks for what you do. And, and you're all welcome. I love doing what I do. And it it's great, too, to see you guys helping each other in the chat, like these ideas for eradicating duckweed or this discussion about shipping and heat packs and stuff. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So yeah, we're all stronger together. And thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Oh, got another one. 54 punchy, five bucks. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> I hope this is gone by the next live stream. I don't know if Candy's in here yet. No, she's probably still on Corey's stream. But um, I'm going to be seeing her, I think, Monday. I hope it's gone before that. 54 Punchy. I had a better ship to me in an envelope. Oh. I can't. In an envelope. Bagged up and dropped in an envelope. And thanks, Bob, for upstaging me. Oh, that's horrible. People do weird stuff, though. It's expensive to ship properly. And it takes time. And I mean, let's just accept that and, and, and be okay with it. Um, it's it's going to be expensive. It just is. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Something that happens a lot in the killifish hobby is people will order killifish eggs. And there's a lot of <laughs> suppliers. <coughs> Sorry. There's a lot of suppliers in, um, you know, most of them are in Asia that will send you eyed up killifish eggs. You can find them on Aquavit and eBay quite a bit. And the eggs they send you are actually probably really good. But the problem is they put them in this tiny little, tiny little thin Ziploc bag, really thin, really small, like a jewelry Ziploc bag almost. And they put that in a padded envelope and they send it. Well, that's fine until it gets in the plane's cargo hold, and then the plane goes up in elevation and flies across the ocean. There's no heat in there. You go up in elevation, it gets super cold, and it's just really rough. Those almost never get a good hatch rate. Lots of people have tried it, and you always hear that people have tried it and are now discouraged, and it's just a bad bad thing. So insulation's important. Even if the weather's nice, insulate them. Just do it. It can't hurt, right? It can only help. Okay. Oh, sorry. That's just horrible. Put a betta in an envelope and ship it. I mean, no wonder there's groups of people trying to shut down keeping animals, right? Let's be, we've got to be more responsible than that. Um, Matt Grafagnino. I think I said it right. Did I say it right? Grafagnino. I think so. Hello from Slippery Fish Aquatics. Oh, hey, that's you. Um, for those that don't know, Matt has a store at getgills.com called Slippery Fish Aquatics, which is a great name, I think. Thank you for always being willing to help. I appreciate you. Hey, you're welcome. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, I knew that was you, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, I had a brain fart. Um, let's see here. Craig Hawks, nothing wrong with your melon. Wondering, are you doing the beard for male cancer November? I did and can't wait to shave mine off. Oh, well, of course I did. 
Of course, it's for a humanitarian cause. I wish I could say that. The truth is, this is what I call busy beard. Every now and then I'll just get so busy that I freak. I, it's not that I forget. I just don't shave for, it goes, let's say it goes four days. Then it gets to the point where it's so long that I can't just get it with my razor after, you know, three, four days. And so I'm just, sometimes I get to that point and if I'm busy, I'm just like, I'm not going to take the time to, to do all this. This is going to take some effort and I just let it go. So this is busy beard. You could also call it lazy beard, I suppose, but I've been so busy that I just let it go. But it's much better to say, no, it's male cancer November. I grew my beard for that. So let's go with that, Craig. Let's go with that. <laughs> or as Mile High Pleco says, no, nah, I just fell off the top of my head and landed on my face. <laughs> I wish that guy was here. He'd have some good beard jokes or bald jokes. Sorry, the chat jumped on me. I'm scrolling back up to look what I missed here. Um, so uh, let's see here. TM Aquatics, Advanced Fish. I try. Oh, sorry. I, I read fry is try. I pull fry to maximize yields. Okay. So we're talking about the gold ocelotus. Great. I also use shells, not a PVC guy. Okay. My preferred way to get fries is siphon them up when they are exposed. Oh, so they'll run, from an, they'll run from a net if you try to scoop them out, but you can get a clear siphon tube down and get them. Is that what you're saying? I haven't heard of that before, but that makes sense. Oh, Punchy. Pam, I just saw that. I picked up a used 20 gallon with glass top for 10 bucks. Woo! A couple days ago. I'm trying to decide if I want to do Blackwater Tank or Brackish. They're both cool. There's, there's a rainbow fish. It's a tiny little like nano rainbow fish that goes in brackish water. What is it? Cylindricus? Oh, now I've got to look at it. Moogill. Um, Cyanodorsalis, maybe? Cyanodorsalis? Yes. These guys. I have been tempted several times to go ahead and do a brackish water tank just so I can keep these. Tiny little pseudomugil, great in brackish, or maybe even up to pure salt. I'm not quite sure. Oh, one day, man. One day I'm going to keep those. And so here's what they are. Pseudomugil cyanodorsalis. That makes sense. Blue back, basically, is what that means. That makes sense. So there is one fish that will convince me to do brackish one day. And it's that little rainbow fish. I just think they're fantastic. There's also a couple of cool Philly, uh, Philly kish, killy fish. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, I can't remember the scientific name. It's like the diamond killy. It's from the Gulf. It's this really pretty little shaped native killy fish. Um, uh, my, my brain is, my brain can't think of it right now, but yeah, let us know what you decide to do. But there's also some cool blackwater species, like some of those cool little licorice garamis, some of those with some like uh, chili rasboras or something. Ooh, there's so many possibilities. Pam, I'm getting excited. <laughs> I needed another tank. You know, I only have 24 running. Yeah, 25 is a much better number. <laughs> yep. All right. Your tank feng shui was off. You needed 25. Yeah, I, I hear you. 
You know what? The tank feng shui gets even better at 30. I'm just saying. No, we all have to like, there's that limit, right? Uh, where it's like, yeah, I have enough. I can take care of all these and really enjoy it. And then you get that next one or two or three. And it's like, oh man, I'm burned out. It feels like work. I can't keep up. I'm always stressed about this. My fish aren't doing well because I, I literally can't take care of this many tanks. Like it's a fine line, but 25, that sounds doable to me. TM Aquatics, if I leave fry in the tank, they slowly disappear. Okay. So they aren't like the multifasciatus, right? I, I knew there were some that would like eat the fry or different pears would sneak in and eat them. I have a sneaker meal that has acquired a taste for fry. Okay. Planning to sell that fish. <laughs> sounds like a, a wise plan. <coughs> I wonder if that'll solve the problem or if another fish will just become the fish eater at that point. I hope it solves it for you. Bam Aquatics. Yes, an unboxing will be coming. Cool. Maybe during live stream tomorrow. Awesome. So Bam Aquatics has a live stream tomorrow. It's 7 Central Standard Time. Team Aquatics. I also pull the shells, fill, shake, and pour. This usually does is usually done at first sight of fry peeping out. This provides the maximum yield. Okay. So you kind of take the shell, pour it out, fill it, pour it out, fill it, pour it out. That makes sense. Um, Bob Kaler. Lol, I reuse shipping materials when someone gets one of your boxes, Dan. It makes me look great. Yeah, <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Priscilla MKR. Hey, welcome, Priscilla. Do you think the small killies would do well in a 10-gallon with cardinal shrimp? Building a new rack for the 10 gallons. Or cardinal, caradina shrimp. Yeah, they'll do fantastic with uh, caradinas. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, uh, they're definitely going to pick at the little shrimplets. So your yield might go down a bit if you're trying to breed the caradina shrimp. Um, but if you have enough, like a big clump of java moss in there or a pile of rocks or something like that something else that can work is those uh shower poofs is what i call them they look like cheesecloth that's wrapped into a ball that you can use to exfoliate your skin things like that um those can all give the shrimplets a fighting chance but you'll definitely have less production of the shrimp but they'll they'll get along well with the adult shrimp for sure Craig Hawks, I could easily be humbled by my fish showing dead, but watching Bob's video, it wasn't temp that killed those fish. They weren't fasted. You've never seen so much stuff poop. Yeah. Well, it could be both. Um, temp, ammonia in the water. In fact, this happened to me. Um, I bagged Bob's rainbows and they were fine. And then, you know, bagged some other fish, got back to it, was packing them all. And then I noticed all the Parkinsoni had all pooped like a ton in the bag. So I had to open it up, rebag them all before I sent them out. So even if you fast the fish, because I fasted those Parkinsoni for two, maybe two and a half days before I sent them. But sometimes they'll still find something in the tank to nibble on. Live bearers are horrible because they'll just eat algae or whatever. They'll just eat detritus. You know, it's you fast them and they'll find something to eat. Um, plecos, yeah, same kind of thing. But so what I found, what I usually do, I didn't do with the Parkinsoni because they haven't done this to me before, but with the live bearers is 
fish that I know that are hard to fast, I'll catch those first. I'll put them in a little container. And usually the, um, that transition stirs them up, up enough that they'll go ahead and void their bowels. And so pack those fish first, leave them in a bare container, right? With some water in it while I get all the other fish together. And usually when I come back, their water is full of poop and I can, you know, get them into fresh water, pack everything else. Their water might be full of poop again. And then, then I'll bag them. So, you know, you kind of learn which fish are easier to fast than others and, and deal with it. But yeah, a bunch of poop in the bag is no good. Even taking as much care as you can, though, sometimes you think they're good. You put them in the bag, you ship them, and they poop in the bag anyway. So it's hard to control completely, but but you definitely have to fast the fish. This is why I only ship one day a week. So I only ship Mondays. If Monday's a holiday, I'll ship Tuesday. Um, or sometimes I'll ship Tuesday too, but only like once a week, really. Because in order to do that, I have to fast the fish for two to three days before I ship them. And I can't be starving my fish. Like if someone wants them shipped Wednesday, it's like, but I just fasted them for two and a half days. Then they ate. Then I can't feed them again Monday or Tuesday because they have to ship on Wednesday to get to you on Friday. You know what I mean? So that's why I only ship once a week because then I can control the fasting. Potato, hey, welcome. Glad you made it. Now that I work for a place that handles hundreds of thousands of packages of mail a day, I'm terrified of shipping fish anymore. Yeah, you're seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah. For sure. Just pack them to be bulletproof and then they'll most likely be just fine no matter what they go through. Holy cow, we have 78 watching. That's a record. Welcome everybody that's watching. Glad you're here. I guess that means Corey's done. <laughs> oh, I lost one. Well, 77, we'll take it. Hey, that's exciting. For those that have been here for a while, this is, this is great. This is amazing. It was up to 82, Bob. Woo! Well, we've lost a bunch. Oh, back to 78. Let's just watch this for a while. Let's just count numbers. No, I'm joking. That would be boring. Um, for those that are just joining us a little earlier in this live, live stream, I showed off a DIY photo tank I made. Um, if you're ever wanting to take better pictures of fish, then this is an easy way to control the light and control how far the fish is from the camera lens. So even if you're just using a phone or something like I do, this is my camera pretty much. It's that or my video camera. Then you can take better photos. Um, so I did this DIY tank. I looked into it and it was going to cost, I think it was around 300 bucks to buy an acrylic photo tank. So I just made one. I found this museum glass, which is non-reflective. It's pretty awesome. So that might be worth che checking out. We also went over cold weather shipping. If any of you are into shipping fish, uh, this might be a good one to replay later. Oh, got it. Oh, Bob, you're too kind. Bob, $10 super chat. It was up to 80, uh, 87, but that I didn't note. A new record. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. This is, this is a great record. We're smashing the records. Thanks, everybody, for coming over, and thanks for whoever sent them over. 
Otter Creek Aquatics. Dance Fish, I'm going to email you after the stream about the order I wanted. Okay, cool. They're still available. In fact, um, Otter Creek, I just, I just put <laughs> that, <laughs> that species, sorry. <clears throat> I've got to take up smoking to control my coughing, right? No. <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, everybody. I've, I've developed a cold. I'm fighting it off. Hopefully next week it'll be gone. But Otter Creek, I listed that species for sale and I took a video so you can uh, see what they look like in the different tanks if you want another view of that. <clears throat> but that sounds good to me. Um, candy overhauls. Hey, he shouted you out at Dance Fish. It was 83. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Corey, for shouting me out. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, Corey's a good guy. He's, he's helped me a ton without even knowing it. So real quick, here's the story. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was no, about a year, two years now. I don't know, but I was about to start my fish room. I had it all planned out. I was getting into building and I hurt my back, not from the fish room, from like going to sleep and waking up. Like I woke up and couldn't move. And so for two weeks, I was like, I couldn't get out of bed. And so the, the thing that kept me sane is I was excited to start this building this fish room and couldn't was watching all Corey's videos of him building his fish room. That like kept me sane because at least I was still involved with fish room building in some way, even though it wasn't my own and even though it had already happened. So I, I'm a big fan of Corey for sure. Most of us are, I think. Aquarium Maniac, my first time watching your, your live stream. Well, welcome. Glad you're here. Sorry you caught me on a day when I'm, I'm kind of, I got a bit of a cough, so I just randomly cough really gross, but um, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Dr. Shishimi Aquatics at Dance Fish, new sub. Hey, welcome over. Welcome everyone new. Welcome. Glad you're here. Um, yeah. So for those that are new and want to know what's kind of going on with Dance Fish, about a month ago, I imported a whole bunch of wild killifish from Nigeria. So there's a bunch of videos on that. I also brought in some cool pelvic acromis from Nigeria and a couple kerosene species, some, some African tetras that, one that I've never seen before and can't find any information on. Um, super rare. I don't think it's, I don't know. I've never heard of it before. So that's some cool stuff to check out. Um, I've got a fish room tour, so you can check out what this madness is like. It's a pretty good sized fish room, and I do things a little different than a lot of people, but it works for me. And uh, I like killifish, I like uh, wild type bettas. I like all kinds of fish, mostly smaller stuff. Nothing real big here, no big monster fish or anything like that, but that's kind of a quick intro. Oh, also, if you have a question or comment and want me to see it and respond to it, if you make it at Dan's Fish, it'll highlight and I can jump right to it so I don't waste time just, you know, looking at idle banter and have dead air time looking for a question. So that's the procedure. Um, make it at Dan's Fish. I'll see it and get right to it. Go Fish Aquatics. Beard joke. Cool. <clears throat> All right. Remember, unlike other parts of you, the beard can be as long as you like. <laughs> I like it, go fish. <laughs> Priscilla MK Art at Dance Fish. Even big female endlers will go after shrimp. I like the combo of shrimp and endlers trying to get the most use out of tank. That's why I thought of small killies. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, let's see here. 
the Congo Panchax Myers Eye would do great. The Poro Panchax Luxophthalmus, that's the one that we call the green neon lamp eye, that would do really well. Those are the two that I would probably recommend highest of the lamp eyes the, um, for, for going with Caridina shrimp species. I think that the Procatopus similis would be okay too, but they're a little bigger mouth, a little more feisty, so they'd probably be okay. But, you know, if the shrimp was in molt or something, could be an issue. But definitely the uh, Myers eye and the Luxothalmus would be, I think, great. All right. Real stinks. Put the at and then dance fish so he can see it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dats says at dance fish. Dats, I like that name. That's awesome. What's the difference between a royal pleco and a bushy nose pleco? Also, what do you, what is your recommendation for bottom dwelling corridors for a twenty gallon? So, for a twenty gallon, let's go with that first. For corys for a twenty gallon, I personally would go a smaller species. The reason is, is you could put like, I don't know, almost any quarry in that tank, but quarries do best in groups. And that's not like an idle statement. The bigger the group, the more comfortable they are. And in a 20 gallon, you don't have a big footprint in the bottom. So I'd go with smaller species. I'd go with like a panda quarry or an elegance quarry, or you could go with pygmy quarries, histatus quarries, you know, really tiny guys that only get maybe an inch or so. Um, or a little less. I think personally, I go with a, a larger school of a smaller quarry is what my recommendation would be. So see what you can get your hands on that's small, and then you can get a good group. When you get a big group of quarries, you're going to see behavior in a comfort level in that fish that you never see with a group of just like six. I and mean, we often say six or six or more, right? Eh, yeah. But when you get 12, it's even better. If you get 24, then it's like you see a whole new world of behavior and like showing madness and stuff. So that would be my recommendation, Dat. And as far as how many you could keep in there, it's totally dependent on um, how you maintain your tanks. That's, that's going to have to be, if you only want to maintain a little bit and don't want to have to feed a lot, then keep just a few, right? Um, if you do larger water changes and do frequent water changes and have plants in there to help you out and a good filter and all that stuff, then you can keep more in there. It's really each tank's different. As far as plecos go, I'm not a big pleco expert. I just got my first plecos from Mile High Plecos. They're the, uh, what, the Starlight Plecos L182s. I've kept a lot of plecos in pet stores I've worked at or in wholesalers I've worked at and things like that. But as far as my own in my own personal fish room, this is the first ones. But Royal plecos get pretty darn big and they need a lot of wood. That's a big component of their diet. So they're big, they need a lot of wood. And I believe, someone here correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they're pretty aggressive that males can be pretty intolerant of each other. Bushy nose, they eat anything. They need some good vegetable matter in their diet. And bushy nose can be kept at pretty cool temperatures too, whereas the royals probably need it warmer. Um, so that's kind of a few differences between them. Bushies don't get as big as Royals either. So that's just a little bit. That being said, I'm not a big Pleco guy. Uh, those are obvious differences that I know of, but I'm sure there's nuances there and things that, that I'm not covering.
Priscilla, how are the puffers? Oh, so the Amazon puffers I got in are doing awesome. And the one that had that big, um, it looked like a tumor or abscess or something on his side. The copper bath took care of that. I put it him in copper for about a week and that thing shrunk down to this tiny little nub. Now it looks like just a tiny little like zit almost on him. So I think it could have been that there was a parasite lodged in there that was either big <laughs> in creating that bump on him or he'd opened something and created an infection, but he's, he's healed up really nicely. I'm not going to sell him for for a long time. Um, I'm going to make sure he's completely better and has been better for several weeks before I sell him. But the other four are doing great. They came in covered with ick though. And the ick was only like officially kind of done um, a few days ago. And so I'm going to give them at least another week before I even think about selling them. I haven't seen any uh, stringy white poop. I haven't seen any evidence of internal parasites, but they are going through a round of general cure right now, just to, just in case. So in about a week, I'll observe them. Well, I observe them every day, but in a week, I'll take stock and be like, okay, are his, his, any of the ick returned at all? If not great, are they gaining weight? If not great, did I see any uh, extrusion of parasites in reaction to the general cure I used? If not, great. In, in that case, then maybe I'll be ready to sell them. But if any of the ick comes, if I see any evidence of ick coming back, then it'll be at least another week or two. If I notice any internal parasite reaction to the meds, it'll be at least two weeks uh, before they're ready. But they're doing great. Um, they love to eat scuds. They chase them all around the tank and pick them off. I haven't seen them really eat snails. So I've kind of been uh, taking a hint from Jadron Aquatics and kind of smashing the snails up a little bit and then feeding them and then they'll eat them. But unless I do that, they aren't really interested in snails very much, but they're doing great and they're awesome. They're cute little guys. Bathy Phila. I finally said it right, Bathy. I looked up some info on lamp eye temperatures. It looks like the type locality for Congo Panchaks is near Kinshaya DRC, which has lows about 64 degrees. Great. And it's flowing water. It'll be even probably a little cooler. Um, let me give you the location of the ones I got. Uh, everyone bear with me for just a second. I'm going to bring up a list of species of killifish and stuff that I have, have available with their location so I can help this person out. Uh, just a sec. Um, okay, here they are. So let me show you this bath aquatics. So here's the different lamp eyes in different killies. So here's the Congo panchaks. The ones I got are from Edo and Icosi around Lagos. So that's their location. So we could look at the temperature there. Um, the Aplicolic, these are from Majidun. Poro panchaks are from Ibafo. And the Procatopus came from Port Harcourt. So, um... <clears throat> if that helps at all to have those locations. But again, I think 64, I think you're going to be okay. I really do. EJ Fish is 76. Can you give a quick species profile on the neon platy? Really neat looking platy. Oh man, they're amazing. So for those that don't know, I got, I'm, I haven't made a video yet. I'm working on it, 
But um, at getgills.com, I've got these guys. These are my favorite platy of all time. They're a neon yellow calico platy. So it doesn't show well in this picture, but this yellow here is bright iridescent yellow that glows from across the room. And then this black is like a midnight jet black and it just contrasts so beautifully. Um, well, they're, they're super easy. They are a, a standard maculatus platy species, just like a red wag platy or any of the others. No special care. I'm keeping mine in uh, mid 70 degrees is where I keep my tanks. Now I have really soft water. If you have hard water, they would be even happier, but they're doing great in soft water. I feed them flakes and pellets and frozen and live, but I also feed them rapashi. That's a, bl a blend of community with Soylent Green. So they get plenty of vegetable matter in their diet. Um, today I blanched some pumpkin and put it in there and they ate some of that. Um, so good vegetable matter in their diets. I mean, they've been in captivity so long that you could just feed them like a tetra flake their whole life and they'd be okay. But to really thrive, give them some vegetable matter. They'll thank you. They'll do a lot better. But there's really no special care for them. They're hardy. They're beautiful. They're like any other platy. If there's a specific question you have about them, uh, could you ask me and I can get more specific into it. But they're more peaceful than a sword tail. I like sword tails too. I have koi swords uh, that I love. But what I like about the platies is they're like a sword tail, but, but more peaceful. So that's temperament wise, they're great. The males don't harass each other to death like swordtails can. Um, yeah, there's a lot of advantages to them. Let's see here. I guess that's a super quick species profile. I mean, they're stunning. They're, they're my favorite platy of all time. Candy overhauls. I need to buy one of them from your, the puffer. Um, Oh, let's see here. So Candy, if we get together Monday, um, so Monday I've got about 24 new species of fish coming in and I'll be going up to the Billings Airport to get them. I'm real excited about some of these. So if so, okay, let me tell you some of these species that I'm hoping will come in. One is the emperor gudgeon, which is, I've been waiting for that for a long time. Um, I was supposed to get this order last Monday, but then it didn't end up coming. But Empire Gudgeons, I'm super excited about. Um, Threadfin Rainbows, I know they're kind of common, they're, but they're my favorite of the kind of blue-eye rainbows. Some of those are coming in. Some Woodcats are coming in. Um, there's some other cool stuff that I've, I've, I'd have to look at the list. But, man, Candy, let's talk afterwards. Um, if we're going to meet up anyway... If you have a separate tank you can put them in, then then maybe I'd be comfortable bringing a puffer up to you. But let's talk afterwards and figure that out. Mega Mindy Lou, you should see my video on how many precocious are in the little pond at my husband's work. It wonders if I want to show that or not. I'll show that. Priscilla. They actually will eat flake food. Priscilla, are you saying that the Amazon puffers will eat flake food? Is that what you're saying? 
Um, are you talking to Dat? So Dat says, what should I feed my quarries and plecos? Okay. So Dat, are you just trying to keep them or are you trying to breed them? And what kind of plecos do you have? Some plecos need a lot of wood in their diet. Some need a lot of vegetation in their diet. And some need a lot of protein um, in their diet. So again, I'm not a pleco expert, but if you have hypencystris, a lot of protein. Brine shrimp, some kind of rapashi that has a lot of protein in it. Really, anything that will sink and is high in protein uh, would be good for them. Now, you want to supplement that with some wood and with some other stuff too, but mainly protein. If you have panax, like the royal pleco and stuff like that, you're going to need a bunch of wood in there. You're going to need to also feed some kind of vegetable-based diet that has some protein in it as well. But wood's really important. And if there's bushy nose, they'll eat anything but high vegetable content from what I've read and heard. And again, my personal collection, I don't have a lot of plecos, but I've kept a lot of them in pet stores and at wholesalers and stuff. Um, a lot of vegetable matter in their diet seems to be key. So me, I like rapashi. If, if you take rapashi, you can cut it in cubes and drop it in the tank and they'll eat it. But even better is if you take like something, a piece of, uh, I don't know, a plate and you take the rapashi and you kind of smear it on it and it cools on there in a thin layer. And then you can put that in the tank. Then the plecos kind of graze off that more naturally than they would a, a big lump, right? Because they want to kind of sit on top of something and chew on it. So Rapashi can take care of you as far as wood goes, morning wood. As far as vegetable matter goes, like Soylent Green, I mix half Soylent Green, half Community for my bushies, um, which are the 182s, L182s is what I have. They're an ancestress. I guess they're not really a bushy, but... Um, and... You know, some of the different protein, uh, I don't know, blends from Rapashi could work for the hypencystris as well. So I guess I would use those as kind of a base and then supplement with other things depending on which species I had. For quarries, it's high protein. Occasionally give them something with a little vegetable matter in it, but they need high protein. I basically keep food in front of my quarries all the time. And if I do that, they'll spawn. So... I use rapashi to do that. So I'll feed like flakes in the morning. And then when that's gone, I'll put in a big chunk of rapashi and they can chew on that the rest of the day, for example. Um, Blackworms, they love the frozen brine shrimp. They'll eat anything. As long as it sinks to the bottom and they can get it in their mouth, the quarries will probably eat it. But high protein is pretty important to quarries. <clears throat> Priscilla MKR, uh, they'll eat flake food. I think you're talking to Dat there. Bathy Phila, thanks for the locality data. Yeah, um, so on the replay, you can pause it there and look at all the different locations, but I think you'll be okay. Jeff Chambers, hey, welcome. Could I do some of those Amazon puffers in a 40 breeder with quarries, plecos, and apistos? I think so. Trying to make a kind of clear water stream Amazon biotope. Yeah, I think you could. The only question I would have is with plecos. Has anyone here kept Amazon ple uh, puffers with plecos? They're real peaceful fish. I had them with guppies. They did fine. Um, I saw Priscilla had hers with stuff. Priscilla, I can't remember what she had them with, but like community fish and they were fine. The pleco question is since the plecos kind of sit there still all the time is since they aren't moving around, would they be tempting to the Amazon puffers to pick on them? I don't know. So someone that's kept Amazon puffers with plecos, could you 
chime in and help Jeff with that specific fish, but I think you'd be fine with all the others for sure. I say for sure, and it's going to be a problem. Always have a plan B with puffers, uh, Jeff, If just in case, right? Another tank you could move them to or something, but I think you'd be fine. Go fish aquatics. I have these platies. Beautiful. Yeah, they're awesome. Candy Overhauls has linked. Thank you, Candy. The uh, Facebook group for Get Gills. For those that don't know, um, I am a co-owner in GetGills.com. It's a great place if you have fish to sell. Feel free to list them there. If you want to buy fish, go there. You can buy from other hobbyists, uh, from stores that post there, a wide range of, of things. So, uh, yeah, it's a aquarium fish marketplace where anyone can buy and sell fish. And we have a Facebook group attached to them, which you're welcome to join up and join the fun there. G Cunningham, didn't you visit Greg Sage? Was there a video? I did visit Greg Sage. There was not a video. There's just a picture of me with Greg. Um, and the reason there wasn't a video is that was a very busy shipping day for, for Greg. That was Monday. I think it was a Monday. Yeah. And I mean, he was, he shipped out a million orders that day. We had time for me to take a tour. We had time to chat a bit, but we didn't have time to make a video. Um, he had to get all his packages done and then it's a lot of work for him to maintain that fish room. So, um, yeah. And then I had to get done with that and then move on and, and get prepped for the import and everything, make sure all my paperwork was in order. So we were both really busy that day. So I'm sorry there's no video. And I was actually okay with that because we've already seen a lot of videos of Greg Sage's fish room. And it's, I mean, it's the same. It looks the same. So I did want to take a video, but he was busy. I was busy. And I, I would, it was also my first time meeting Greg and so I kind of wanted that first time to be more get to know him and build the relationship than, hey, good to meet you. I'm going to take a video now. You know what I mean? So uh, he's a guy that's worth getting to know. Same with um, Mile High Plecos. I didn't take any video there because we had so little time that I wanted to take that time to get to know Michael and Priscilla and stuff like that. So, yeah, sorry. I wanted to take a video, but it wasn't crucial on my list. But um, his fish are amazing. The, the true privilege of going to Greg's place besides meeting him, he's the nicest guy. And he loves talking fish, and so do I, obviously. Um, but the other thing is just you're going to see fish there that you've only seen in pictures. Or fish there that you've never heard of before. You didn't even know this thing existed. And, you know, you've been doing this for a quarter of a century, and you're like, whoa, what's that? So it was cool. Priscilla says, uh, Candy says, yeah, for sure, at Dan's Fish. Okay, cool. So we'll we'll talk uh, maybe tomorrow and figure this out. Priscilla, yeah, the Amazons will eat flake food. Really? So I tried frozen brine shrimp. They turned up their nose. Um, they liked frozen bloodworms. I haven't tried flakes or pellets yet or rapashi. Um, actually, I did try rapashi. They didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> but... That's okay. Those are all foods that may take some training, but you've got yours to eat flakes. We should be able to get them to eat anything then. Um, Big Yak 35, Emperor Gudgeons. Wow, I'm breeding peacocks. Yeah, so um, I took a video of my peacocks today to accompany my listing of those fish at getgills.com because I have some for sale. 
And while I was doing that, I saw there's a male that's claimed a pipe and has a bunch of eggs in there. So I'm breeding the peacocks too. I'm pretty excited. But yeah, um, getting emperor gudgeons in. If they come, um, I can request things. I have no control over what's actually gets here. I just tell the supplier, here's what I want. And hopefully the export is successful. <laughs> it's, it's funny when you're trying to import fish or transship fish. Uh, you have very little control of what you actually get, if it actually comes in, if it's the right fish, all that. Um, you just do your best. <laughs> so we'll see. Reels tanks. No, I want all the puffers. Just kidding. Don't kill me. You know, I almost... <coughs> <coughs> For those just joining us, I'm not fine. Um, I just have a cold this week. I'm sorry. The weather changed here. It got really cold outside and yeah. I get it every year. So Michael's fish room, he's always, I'm fine. And it's really funny. So my tag is, I'm not fine. <laughs> this is not okay. This is not normal for me, but hopefully it'll go away. So I almost brought in a lot of the Amazon puffers. In fact, I ordered 12. I only got five. I thought about bringing in like 50 or 25, but the issue is I only have so many snails and I only have so many scuds and I wanted to be sure that I had enough live food that I could take good care of them. There's nothing sadder than seeing like an emaciated puffer. It's a puffer. It's supposed to be like big and jolly, right? Um, so I only ordered 12 because I knew I could for sure feed 12 for forever. I have enough live food for that, enough snails and stuff breeding, but I didn't know if I could do more than that. So I tried 12, I got five. As soon as I see them for sale again, though, as soon as these are gone, um, as soon as these are all sent out, then I will get another group because I have kind of fallen in love with them. I think they're awesome. And if I can get them to eat flake food, that's great. Um, anyone here that's kept Amazon puffers long term, do you have problems with their beaks growing too much if you don't feed snails regularly? I can't get mine to eat snails unless I crush them up. And I suppose they get a little beak workout when they're eating crushed up snails because they'll get shells and stuff. But I was a little worried when they wouldn't just bite through. So let me know if you uh, have issues with that. Reels tanks. Oh, wait, I already read that one. Priscilla, no, the Amazon puffers eat flake. I was talking to you. Okay, yeah, I, I got it. I finally picked up on it. Gotcha. Um, oops, chat jumped. Here we go. Cichlids 23. Hi, Dan. How many of those yellow calico platies could I do in a 10 gallon? Um, well, let me know a couple things. Actually, let me tell you the variables. Is the tank really well established? I don't mean just like cycled, but like, has it been set up with fish in it? Is it been a living environment for several months? Are there plants in it that are fast growing plants that suck up nitrates, nitrites, and ammonia? Is it well filtered? Do you feed a lot? And how often are you willing to change the water? Those are kind of the variables. If you're like, well, I like my tank to sit there and I only want to change 25% of the water once a month, then maybe get, say, what size tank was this? Um, uh, in a 10 gallon? I don't know, maybe four or five. Um, it's really, I hate to say an exact number because you know how you keep fish better than I do. But I mean... 
I could get a colony going in there and breeding and raising and stuff and easily, easily have 25 fish in there. But I change a third of my water every day. So, and I have water sprite growing in there, which sucks up a lot of waste real quick. So it just really depends on, well, 30 might be a lot. It's, it's, <coughs> it's a 10 gallon. <coughs> I don't know. Once they started feeling crowded, I would separate them. I don't know the exact number, um, but I'm thinking of breeding colony and all the babies coming up and stuff. So I hate to give you an exact number. It just depends on how you keep fish. That's the honest answer, Cichlids23. Um, and without being there in person and seeing it all and knowing you and how you keep fish really well, I'm, I'm hesitant to give you like an exact number. Dr. Shishimi Aquatics. So, dancefish, any catfish? So, a few. Um, see here, a bunch of albino quarries. I just, they spawn for me all the time. So, I have a bunch of those. I have Julie quarries, uh, which are actually Corydoris trilineatus. I have Corydoris melini. I have Corydoris mete. And then I have the plecos, the L182s, which I'm not selling. I'm going to raise those up and see if I can breed them. Oh, and I have glass cats, African glass cats that I brought in from Nigeria, which are doing fantastic, by the way. They're awesome cat. So those are all the catfish I have. Not a ton. I'm not like a big pleco guy or anything like that. I like them. I just don't, I just don't have a lot of them. Um, yeah. So cool. Um, thanks everybody for being here. Really appreciate it. I'm going to wrap this stream up in a few minutes. If you have a question or a comment that you want me to get to, uh, within the next minute or so, post it below at Dan's Fish, and I'll jump right on it before we shut down. But we've been going for uh, close to two hours now. <laughs> Thanks for everyone that came for the first time. It was a pleasure to meet you. Glad you're here. We do this at 7 p.m. every Wednesday, Mountain Time, and have been doing so for, I don't know, getting close to a year now, I think. So, yeah, a year. So it's been going for a while and it's so awesome to see like 68 watching right now. I think we were up to like 88 or something at one point. So shattering all kinds of records. So thanks for coming. Thanks to Corey for shouting me out. Um, love the guy. Love what he does for us. And 54 Punchy, Woodcats, are you getting to, going to get any in? Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, I should be getting a bunch of Woodcats in on Monday, provided they arrive. I mean, last week, the entire order didn't come. So we'll see. Candy Overhauls, Terry's Tropical Tanks asked, what makes Get Gills different than Aquabid? Well, let me show you real quick. Um, a few things. One is this, just a modern interface. And I want to say, let me get back to my face real quick. I want to say that I don't think that, I mean, I've used Aquabid for, I think, literally decades. And I don't, I'm not saying that we are Aquabid. What Aquabid was designed for was auctioning fish, right? You list a fish and people would bid on it and it would auction. I'm totally different. So Aquabid is like eBay for fish. I'm like Amazon for fish. I'm not a place to auction fish. I'm a place where people can list fish for sale and there's a set price and you can decide to buy them or not. So that's, that's the main difference as far as like the intention behind the site. The functionality of the site is quite different. So when you first arrive, this is what you see. And you can go in any of these and um, see different fish. And then you can click on, I don't know, let's go here. 
and you can get information about this. You can easily click through different thumbnails and see the different fish. You could play a video on this fish, which I'm not going to do right now, but to get information about this and see the fish you're actually buying. And then if you want to know more about the person selling, you click here. So in a lot of ways, the functionality is similar, uh, but smoother, I guess. And the intentionality behind it specifically is to buy fish, not to auction fish. Now, here's something else I really like. You can sort this any way you want. What's the lowest price thing we have on the site right now? Air tubing. That makes sense. What's the most expensive thing on the site right now? Uh, flower horn. Well, that totally makes sense. Um, so there's lots of ways to find what you want on this site. Basically, besides the fact that we're not an auction site, we're just uh, <clears throat> a site for modern times, right? It's a site that functions with modern technology. It's easy to link pictures and videos on here. Um, it, it actually hosts the pictures and things. And uh, it works well on a cell phone. We're making that even better, by the way. <clears throat> now, one difference is checkout. So when you go to checkout, let me just see if I can uh, do. Go ahead and throw some things in a cart. Get to checkout just as an experiment. Buy a bunch of things from a bunch of different people. Go to checkout. <clears throat> Don't actually get to the point where you have to pay for the item. We're just playing here and see what it does for you. What it's going to do is the items you purchase, it's going to take those and automatically, based on how you select you want shipping, you can kind of control how a box is packed more or less. So if you select, I want to have these ship priority, and you click that button, then all the fish and items that can ship in that box will automatically be put in that box, and you'll be able to see, okay, this many fish takes one, two, or three boxes. Or hey, this box is only half full. So, okay, I don't want to waste shipping. Maybe I'll go and fill the rest of the box. One thing I always hate when I order fish is when I order fish and the box arrives and it's like 75% empty. I'm like, man, what a waste of paying all this shipping to only get 25% of the box full. So there's all kinds of functionality like that. So I guess that, oops, let me switch back here. I didn't realize that we were still looking at the... Uh, website. So that's some of the functionality that's different. I think the ease with which you can post and control your stuff and get your pictures on there and link your videos and, uh, and manage your stuff is like this. Let me show you this, how I manage my inventory. So this is my store. If I want to change anything, I can do it here. This is my shipping methods. So this is how I ship. Right now, I do not have priority activated because it's super cold and I want to only ship um, express. This other way I ship, which I spelled wrong apparently, is only for dry goods. So dry goods go in that. So I can control how I want to ship here really easily. I can look at my products. I can see how many views this has had. So I know this has had 22 views. I can say, hey, I don't have those available anymore. So I just deactivate it because I'm going to have them available in the future. Or I can say I'm never going to have that fish again. So I'm just going to delete this post ent entirely. But once you've put an item on here, it's on here forever until you 
take it off. So if this is a fish you normally have in stock or you're going to breed for a long time or whatever, if you run out temporarily, you just deactivate it. <clears throat> and then as soon as you have more for sale, you can post it again. It's that easy. So all this information is on here and you can just edit it and change it, change how you want it shipped, all that stuff really easy. So what we're trying to do is make a really user-friendly experience. A, for the buyer, so when they check out, it's, it's everything's packed efficiently and they can buy from 10 different sellers and only pay once at checkout and it's done. So they pay once and everyone gets their money. It's all divided up in the system. Um, and then for the seller to be able to list fish and control their inventory and their stock really easily, post pictures really easily, link videos really easily. So I guess that's, that's kind of what I think about it. Now, there are three things we're working on. One is shipping. We want to make shipping more flexible, more intuitive, and we're in the middle of coding that right now. So the biggest feedback we've gotten, this site hasn't been alive very long. We've launched it. The biggest feedback we've gotten is that it's a little difficult for the seller to, to set up shipping in all the ways they want. If a seller only ships one or two ways, it's super easy. But if you want to sell um, discus and you only want them in one size box going FedEx overnight, but then you want um, goldfish to ship another thing and be kept cold in a separate package and dry goods to go this way and these other dry goods to be ground, um, it gets complicated. So that functionality to make that easier is being built right now. So know that if you sell on get gills, we're in, that's our priority right now. We're working on fixing the shipping, not fixing, it's not broken, but we're trying to make it even more flexible to accommodate your every need. So that's number one. Number two is I like the interface pretty good, but we eventually, oh, sorry, I didn't realize we were still here. Again, I did that. But we eventually want to make buying fish as easy as going to Netflix and watching a movie. So we have some work on our user interface to do to make that happen. And then we're trying to make it so that people can pay with PayPal. Um, it's a, you wouldn't, uh, there's, there's a whole issue on the back end why that's difficult, but we're, we're, that's another thing that we're, we're trying to do. It's proving difficult, but that's kind of item number three that we're working on. So, uh, Terry's Tropical Tanks, I hope that answers your question. If you have any specific questions about it, I'm happy to answer them. If you um, want to use the site and you want to list stuff to sell or something and you need help, let me know. I'll video chat with you, help you get onboarded, whatever you need, okay? And sorry I missed your uh, comment. Thanks, Candy, for bringing that to my attention. Paige Karstater. What would be the best socking or showpiece stocking or showpiece for a 120-gallon planted lots of wood community? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what I like doing. Everyone's different. But I like big tanks with small fish. So... I like to have a lot of fish in a small tank. So that's what I would do. But that's just me personally. Maybe you're like, no, I want a flower horn. Well, you can have one in a 120 gallon tank, right? So it, it really, really depends. Um, but here's what I would do. Well, I have an example right here. 
<laughs> so there's skunk quarries on the bottom, Corydoras arcuatus. They help stir up the stuff on the bottom so that the the floor of the aquarium stays clean. I've never once vacuumed the bottom of this aquarium. There's a power head that blows across. The quarries stir the stuff up. The power head whips it into the water column and it goes out the filter and gets sorted. So that's really nice. Then rainbows, because I love them. These trifosciatus look great in here. I don't know how they show on camera, but they look great in here. The Odessa barbs, because I like them. They're just fantastically colored. A few Siamese algae eaters, they really keep the algae off, the plants and things. Before I got those, the leaves on the plants were just covered, like globbed up with algae. The Siamese algae eaters, true Siamese algae eaters, not Chinese algae eaters, not flying fox, true Siamese algae eaters. Uh, the fish guru, Thomas, sent them to me and they've done a great job. And there's a couple of, uh, normally I'd have a bigger school of roseline barbs in here, but this is all I have left. All the rest have been sold. So I have a few of those in there. And I think that's, I put a pair of pelvic acromus sacramentis in there too, just because I'm interested in that fish and trying to breed it. But besides that, that's, and maybe some angelfish. There were platinum angelfish in there too until recently. They've all sold as of Monday. But this tank was like that for a long time and I liked it. Um, so it's a lot of small fish in there. There's something to be said too, though, of like a big school of cardinals or uh, chili rasboras with a bunch of featherfin rainbows and a bunch of lampi killifish. That's another tank that I would like to do someday. And maybe pygmy quarries on the bottom. So I don't know. Um, that's my idea for stocking. For a showpiece, see, for me, a big school of small fish is a showpiece. Honestly, um, that's my taste. I don't think I need one big fish in there to be a showpiece. But I would say that the showpiece in, in here used to be like the 15 platinum angelfish I had in here. Just because they were glowing white against the black background. So that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so difficult to talk about stocking because there's so many possibilities. And your taste might be different. But those are my ideas of what I would like to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks everybody. I appreciate it. Oh wait, Candy made a mistake. Ooh, got to find that. That never happens. <laughs> oh, a minor spelling issue. You call out a mistake. I can't even say words right. So, Hey, I think you're doing great. <laughs> okay. So thank you everybody. We're going to shut this down. Anyone that gave a super chat. Thank you. Uh, always appreciated, never required. Anyone that helped someone else who had a question and you gave information or shared your experience, thank you for sharing that. That's what makes us stronger and that's what uh, makes this interaction valuable. Um, anyone that commented or had a question or comment that helped make the stream lively, appreciate it so much. And a special shout out to the beard joke. Thank you so much for the beard joke. This might be gone next week, but... Uh, that was hilarious. And again, appreciate you all and my mods, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bob, Candy, and 54 Punchy. Appreciate you all. Um, see you next week. We will be here at 7 p.m. <clears throat> Mountain Time next Wednesday. Bye-bye. Oh, I've got to actually... Bye-bye. Let's try that. Let's get the perfect one. Bye-bye.